Welcome to the Radical Flow podcast. My name is Angela. Radical Flow is flow that's on a mission, and that mission is to create a much better reality for us all. Welcome to episode 35. Last week, I had the privilege of teaching a live, in-person, four-day flow breath facilitator training. Now, this was the first in-person training that I've done in 28 months. I loved it. Now, luckily for me and my business, I'd set myself up to teach online long before March 2020. So when things ground to a halt in the in-person venues, I already had the platform and the students comfortable online. The beauty of online teaching is that you can reach people everywhere and you can record so people can attend at any time from anywhere. And you connect those people that would not likely otherwise meet. And this gives them the chance to know each other and come to love each other. I love online offerings. In fact, I teach four days a week online and online offerings is something I'll always maintain. Now, when I first began teaching online, it was actually a bit weird. In fact, I felt scattered and exhausted. Normally, when I'm in a room in person, my energy expands to engulf the group and the space, and I feel their reactions and responses, and then I work with that energy. Well, I tried to do it the same way online. Only not only could I feel the group, I could feel all the disruptions. I could feel late arrivals, when someone started talking to another person entering their space, if they got up to go get coffee. I could even feel weird things coming from the recording. It pulled my attention in every direction and it made it more difficult both to hold the container and to stay focused enough to really deliver the kind of locked-in class that I like to deliver. So I adapted. I realized that going deeply into my own center pulled all the participants to me through space and through time. And then my body and the experience became the space instead of the group directly. Suddenly, I started getting comments from the students saying things like, wow, it was like I was the only student and you were just teaching to me. Every word you said and every prompt you gave what was just perfectly timed for me. I realized the difference between in-person and online. In-person, expand the energy to fill the room. Online, draw the energy inward to pull the room, quote-unquote, to me. Another difference was using a microphone to teach. Unless I was doing a really large event, most in-person classes didn't require a microphone. But once online, merging music and voice required a whole sound system and a headset mic. Now I love microphones. You can really use your voice for an effect with a mic. You can be really, really quiet and really, really powerful at the same time. And when teaching through a sound system out into an online live stream, you also have to control how loud you are so you don't cut out the broadcast. Online then meant not only pulling my energy inward, it meant dialing down the volume on my voice and letting the microphone do the work. Now also, 
My daily class is at 6 a.m. I teach it from a soundproof space in a home with another person who's sleeping. Now, even with the soundproofing in the walls and the ceiling, I let the sound system run the volume so my voice and music can stay politely low. It's very relaxing and it's very effective and it allows me to now reach students all over North America and beyond. I love online. Well, fast forward now to day one of last week's live, in-person flow breath training. No mic, no sound system, opening circle, and my voice now needs to project outward. I laughed out loud, wondering what's going to happen when I start making sound. Well, we opened that morning with a kundalini movement class, and those classes always begin with a chant. So out of my mouth came the sounds, only to be drowned out by all the people around me. Well, all teachers who lead a chant know that your voice, the lead voice, has to be louder or you lose the lead. Inside, I laughed and I just kept chanting. The core of everything I teach is that we meet ourselves in the moment with wherever we're at, free of judgment and aversion. Now, of course, it's easier to say that than to do it. Judgment is a natural part of who we are as little I human selves. So then the trick is you listen to the self-judgment and you don't judge it. I also find giggling to be very helpful so I can ensure I don't clamp down and try to control my voice because clamping down never works. It just makes it worse. So instead, I let my voice work out the kinks. I let it figure out how to be loud again, how to project and fill a room. That meant it could crackle or waver, could have gaps, go out of tune, anything it needed to clear the pipe, so to speak, I let it do. And with a little eye mind judging, well, it makes it worse, which increases the glitchiness of the sounds that are coming out. And yet, no matter what, it's all just an experience and one that's happening in the moment. And it's one more opportunity to just meet yourself where you're at without any judgment or aversion. And by not resisting, the glitchiness settles quickly. And in the end, I found that the volume was now closer to where I wanted it to be, even though it wasn't still quite there. At one point, I thought, well, don't worry. If it's really bad, we'll just bring the sound system tomorrow and that'll work out although I didn't really need it. So day one of the training progressed. There were combinations of talking, learning and sharing, paired with transformational breathing, lots of loud music and a high vibrational gong, and then all this wonderful human interaction. Oh God, it was so good to be back in a space with such a lovely bunch of humans. Now I admit, I'm really lucky. My teachings always seem to attract the most amazing humans. And even the people who attend always remark about this in every class. It's amazing. I feel so blessed and humbled by the gift of genuine, open-hearted, vulnerable, trusting people. Well, day two arrived and we began pretty much the same way. Kundalini movement class to open up the spine, get the breath and the energy flowing. And again, it began with the chant, only this time. 
out of my mouth boomed this sound that bounced off the back wall and came right back to me. My body took a full breath and my energy popped and expanded beyond the walls. I was engulfing not only the group in the room, but the entire property in my energy. Oh my goodness, people. I'd not realized until that exact moment exactly how contained I was, how self-confined I'd become. Now we think of the frog in the pot concept, where slow changes in temperature can go unnoticed until the water is suddenly too hot to survive. Well, I was feeling firsthand the effects of jumping out of the pot of isolation and contraction. First, the lockdowns, which didn't really affect me at the time because I was already teaching online. Then the division in people's thinking and choices placed me in a container being labeled as minority. Then caring for my elder mom and sticking pretty close to her residence. No travel, no spontaneity, just being home. And teaching in a way that pulled my energy in and dialed my voice down. They were all willing choices. I didn't have a feeling of oppression, even amongst external systems attempting to impose it. I felt fine. And yet, I was a frog in a pot. And there I was in that training, popping back out to normal size energy and beyond, to normal volume of my vocals, to normal sized breaths, only to hear my internal voice say, there, now we're back. I felt like me, only better. I felt like me, only more refined. I felt like me, exponentially clearer. Oh, it was so good. Now in truth, I've been smiling ever since that training and I've been exponentially creative and productive as well. And my return to my online class that following Monday was even sweeter. I have so much gratitude for the people, the platform, the way it connects us, the way our geographical locations kind of cast a wide net of energy and the way that we can be together even though our bodies aren't. And to top it off, this whole experience of popping back open and expanding exponentially, clearer and more refined, felt like a preview of what I've been seeing in my visioning process. Let me share what I mean. You may have heard me in the past say that in October 2019, as I was visioning my coming year, I noticed that when I got to the end of March 2020, everything went blank, like a fog had rolled in with no sense of what was beyond. Now, I remember telling friends about it, in large part because my act of visioning was not because I could see into the future. I'm not, I don't have that skill. It was more like a mental vision board with a planning calendar all smushed together. It was a way for me to imagine how I wanted my year to go. Well, having this experience of things going blank or foggy at the end of March was totally new for me, and so I talked about it. Well, now, of course, now we know why. And between that experience and then my intuition further telling me repeatedly by toilet paper all through February, 
I realized that some part of me was obviously seeing at a vantage point that my human little eye could not. And somehow that was being filtered down into my awareness. Well, lately, I'm having another experience like this, one that I could also label as visioning. This time, I'm seeing a really big opening coming and an acceleration of how fast we manifest. And in my visioning experience, I'm seeing it happening toward the end of September and into early October. Now, is this just for me? Is it hopeful thinking? Or is it bigger information like last time? I have no idea. So please take everything I'm sharing from here on with a really good dose of salt and your own self-awareness. It may be nothing and it may be wrong, but here's what I'm getting. I see us heading through a channel right now. And this channel has mirrors coating the inner wall and at the end of September, early October, that channel opens up into a vastness of space, limitlessness and accelerated manifestation, meaning the gap between a thought and the reality of it being creating, created is closing up, getting shorter, becoming faster. Now, from seeing this, I also get a few pieces of guidance. First, is to use this time in the channel of mirrors to truly face the truth of what I'm made of, which means for me, be open to who I am, celebrate what I love about me, refine what I'd like to improve, and let go of what's really not working. And second, to get centered in a, this is not a drill anymore kind of way really be responsible for where my mind is focused because we know that where we focus our energy flows and where we focus we create and if this vision has merit and everything is going to accelerate i want to be really clear and focused in what i'm creating when i come into that opening the third piece of guidance is to focus as far forward as i can now, we all know that if you're driving down the highway at high speeds, you don't look right in front of the hood of the vehicle. Instead, you look further down the road. You stay present so you can easily respond to whatever conditions present themselves. Well, the same is true for this. Does that mean I need to know exactly what I'm creating in detail? I don't think so. It means I need to know at a minimum the general conditions or qualities of what I'm creating. Now, these three pieces of guidance, facing self in the channel of mirrors, getting centered in a this is not a drill kind of way, and focusing forward, well, they feel like they're universal, meaning they're for all of us. And if this visioning of mine has any merit, well, we won't want to come out of that channel of mirrors in distress We'll want to come out being able to meet distress and respond intentionally. We'll want to come out focused, forward, at a pretty good distance. If this visioning is inaccurate, well, it can't hurt anyone to get clear and aligned with a forward focus. So it's a win-win either way. Now for me, 
because these are my experiences, I feel really motivated to accept this general guidance. And so everything I'm doing is shaping around both being in this shift and supporting others to learn the skills they need to also make this entrance into this opening. And additionally, for me personally, I'm also getting another piece of guidance. And maybe you can relate, maybe you're also getting it. The guidance is this. Big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG. Now you might be laughing, but this is actually a technique used by business to pick a goal that's so big that it not only focuses all of the business activities, it reveals the core identity and purpose of the business. Now for me, in my case, it's a blending of who I am and what I do, what my offerings are, what my, you could say, mission is. Look it up online. Big, hairy, audacious goal. There are great articles and tools on how you can craft your own. Its basic components are that it's long-term, so more like 10 years. And it's so big that there is a chance that you won't be able to pull it off, but deep down inside, you know that if you really got things aligned, you could. It's big enough and wild enough and audacious enough to raise eyebrows and inspire. It has to excite you to the core, a feeling of purpose, a goal that will shape you and your actions, and looking really far down the road. Big, hairy, audacious goal. And it has a community contribution quality for the good of the whole, having impact that really matters. An example that was given in one article I read really touched my heart and soul because I've heard the story before and it seems more meaningful now than ever. The article used John F. Kennedy's big, hairy, audacious goal of landing a man on the moon. And there's a quote from his speech that I love so much and it goes like this. We choose to go to the moon, Kennedy said. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and to do other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win, and the others too. Others too meaning the other goals. I've posted that quote to my studio wall. I think humanity could use many big, hairy, audacious goals, whether they're broadly based, like peace and freedom, love and community, goodwill, you know, really happy, healthy households, or specific, like teaching the world to flow. Big, hairy, audacious goals. And to borrow from JFK, are needed, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, because the goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. And if there is merit to this idea that we're coming out of this channel of mirrors where we're facing who we are and what we're made of, where we're learning to accept ourselves in the moment, to 
move without judgment or aversion, but instead to refine, to get clear, to get focused, and to focus forward so that when we come out into this opening of accelerated creativity and manifestation, that we're all looking forward to a much better reality for us all. That's my dream. I love it. All right, that's enough for this week. Please watch for announcements on how you can get in on our developing discipline immersion. We're going to be facing ourselves in that mirror, making improvements. We're going to get centered into alignment and focus forward. And you can join us no matter where you are in the world. And thank you for listening to the Radical Flow podcast. It always means the world to me that you do. And until next time, we'll see you in the flow.